0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Amazon Legends. Uh, my guest today is she, she's been in e-commerce for years in all aspects of it. She's the head of Amazon Advertising at Seller Interactive, a proud mother of a three year old girl and a passionate about traveler. So everybody meet my guest, Nissan Paul. Welcome to the show, Nissan. Hi
1: everyone. So happy to be here. Thanks for this opportunity, Nick.
0: Oh, it's uh, my pleasure to have you. So there is an old saying that goes like, uh, think global, but act local. And, and as far as I remember in our conversation, that's the philosophy you applied to one of your clients, right? So tell us, uh, tell us how that worked and all the circumstances.
1: So we uh, recently had a client, uh, it's in a baby niche. And uh, when they came to us, they were already an established brand on the UK marketplace. And they were trying to establish themselves on the North American marketplace. So apart from UK, they were also existing in other uh, European marketplaces, France, Germany, right? So they have like, uh, they're listing in all these different languages on different platforms, uh, obviously, because of better visibility, right, as Amazon does. Uh, But what was happening, uh, there were some specific changes which we had to do. Uh, for the North American content, right? So the keywords which you use on the UK marketplace are specifically different from what you use on the North American marketplace too. Uh, But every time uh, our ops team, right, the account manager, they tried to push these changes on the listing end, it wasn't getting updated, right? For some reason, they were not changing it. Uh, They were just sticking to that one particular uh, global listing, which they wanted to continue across all the English Speaking marketplaces, so that's what that's what the issue was happening. So uh, our account managers uh, tried this again and again. They tried to change something or the other, updated, open so many numerous cases with seller support, and you know how seller support is, right? <laughs> how helpful they are! <laughs> they are like the bane of our existence, I would say, and uh, uh, it was just not going anywhere. But uh, we recently succeeded in changing it, right? Uh, after a lot of follow-ups, and uh, even on on the changes side, it's not like everything on the listing ends in the front has changed. Uh, but the backend search terms are something which we could make specific to the local market, right? So we could add uh, specific keywords uh, for North American uh, customers which they search for, or Spanish customers even, right? Uh, as compared to which is not used in UK marketplace, uh, so that's all uh, it was just a lot of back and forth but ultimately it did work out and i think uh, the effect of this was we saw a great increase in the sales over month over month right right away when the listing these changes were pushed on the listing we saw our ppc performing much better converting much better and even the organic side sales were lifted at the same time
0: so there's a few things you mentioned and they are all independently individual challenges so First of all, uh, English-speaking countries, if you start in one, let's say the most popular, take your example, start in England and you're selling in the UK, Amazon, marketplace, and you're doing well, you can't just simply copy-paste and then launch in North America, right? It just doesn't work that way. Even though it's English, you have different keywords. So that means that it's a brand-new listing you're creating you have to do the, the research and everything else. So that's challenge number one that you mentioned. So the second thing that you mentioned is you couldn't actually change, make the changes that you wanted. So you were submitting them and they were not being approved. So tell us about that. Why was that happening?
1: So it wasn't that it wasn't approved from our end when you up, like upload the listing, the uh, file, right? The listing uploader file, it was getting approved, but the it wasn't visible on the front end, right? So it was something like a, more like a technical issue on the seller support side on the backend of Amazon, uh, which obviously the seller support was not able to help us out with, right? So in between our account managers even tried to like, Delete and uh, inact like made the listing inactive for 24 hours. And I guess maybe that's one of the reasons which helped it, right? Like when you basically delete the ASIN and then upload it, people often say that that's a very risky move, but sometimes that that was the only thing left for us to do because we had followed up with them so many times and they said yes it it is being pushed and it will be updated in 24 hours again after 24 hours it nothing was changing on that side then again they said okay can you please update uh, upload the file again and it will be updated in 24 hours but it wasn't changing right uh it's just like you you have to just not give up and keep trying something or the else yeah. right that that's that's the that's the learning i took from this uh, particular client right keep trying one or the other and something might work in the end yeah. i we don't know what exactly worked but something did work in the end
0: Well, uh, so I found this several times, different clients. So first and foremost, you have to be on brand registry. So it has to be your listing, right? So so that's a given. So if you are on brand registry uh, and it's your listing, then you have the right to change. However, there is a little fine point here. If, let's say, for example, your seller account, primary account, Primary user is info at blah, blah.com. And then you create your brand registry account with a different username than your seller central primary username. Amazon will not make that connection between yeah. the brand and the seller. So they will treat you, you being the seller, as a reseller of this brand. Yeah. And they won't let you make changes to the listing.
1: Yeah.
0: So that's one little fine thing. You know, nothing with Amazon is simple, right? There's always these little nuances. <laughs> <neurons. laughs> so you, you have to make sure that you set up your brand registry account and Seller Central account with the same username as mm-hmm. the primary user. So that's one. The second thing is when you upload as the brand owner, Sometimes technical problems. Yeah. They want it just one update. So perhaps th- these are situations that may have happened. So, what happens is, I've seen this also. Somebody signs up as a seller, they create their listing, they submit the brand. They are not yet on brand registry. Yeah. Afterwards, they create their brand registry account. They get on a brand registry. They get their brand as the same username for Seller Central and brand registry. But the events are reversed. In other words, instead of establishing themselves as a brand, then creating a listing, now it's almost like the listing is inheriting the brand owner instead of brand owner inheriting the listing. That is the reason why they tell you Delete the listing and upload it again. So that way the brand owner inherits the listing.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah.
0: you see, when they come to you, when clients come to you, they don't tell you these things, right? You don't yeah, know. Exactly. So so you find yourself scrambling around. So um, and, and and at this point, you don't know. It got fixed, but you don't know what, what fixed it, right?
1: So there's, there's a funny uh, incident which happened during this whole process, right? So in the UK, they recently came up with this premium account management service from the Amazon side. So when we were going through this, like, even then, like, after, after a few weeks, somebody from the Amazon side, like... Uh, actually uh, contacted the client uh, for this premium service, right? So where they can get all their listing fixed and anything related to that. So you never know, right? This could be one of the hidden reasons, right? Like something was because they knew that we were facing catalog issues and uh, they knew about those stuff, right? Uh, uh, when they contacted the client and they mentioned this during the call to the client, right? They can, they can help you with this, but it was really, really expensive. Really expensive
0: service. Yeah. And so it's like several thousand dollars, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Several thousand dollars. And uh, uh, I don't know. Like they, when they already knew that we are facing these issues, though, there was no resolution which was offered to us without the money, which which they they were asking.
0: Yeah. I mean, I hear you. So, okay, brand registry, seller central connection, and then making sure, and then simply keep trying, keep trying. Now, there is. Another fine point here is worth mentioning for the benefit of the uh, listeners. So when you create a listing for the first time, you submit your UPC and you create the ASIN. So now it's in your Seller Central, ASIN is created, UPC is associated with it. For whatever reason, if you delete that ASIN or delete that listing, you're not actually deleting the ASIN. You yeah. delete the listing. So if you delete the listing and then recreate it, you're going to submit the same UPC. It will automatically become attached. To that ASIN. So you're not actually going to lose anything. So I've actually seen clients, you know, with inventory. They have, Amazon has inventory at FBA facility, and they delete their listings. That's okay. When they recreate it, sometimes they have bad SKUs, wrong SKUs. They create with. Or they create with no SKUs where Amazon is, uh, assigns, and then they realize, oh, what do I do? And the inventory is gone. It's okay, just delete the listing and recreate. Yeah. It. So it seems like you know you've done that. Now the other thing that you mentioned is backend search terms. Talk to us about. All, all these different, because everybody understands title and bullets and description and A-plus content, but they don't really understand the others. So share with us what other search terms, uh, what other places you can put search terms, and what is the best way to use.
1: So uh, in Amazon SEO world, right, Like people do understand like we have the titans which we have to optimize, the bullet points we have to optimize, and even the A-plus content to somebody. But they often don't realize that your backend system is such an important uh, real estate which you can use right you have those 250 characters place where you can place any and every keyword you want to and the customer won't even see those keywords it's just gonna index it's gonna it's gonna be for the bots for the software to index on right so you you have that option real estate available where you can put in all those spanish keywords which you want to index on maybe your category has very high volume search not even high volume even medium medium volume uh, Spanish keywords which you want to target but you don't want your listing to be uh, having those actual keywords so you can put those like put those keywords there even like when now because prime day is coming up right maybe you have those prime specific keywords which you or search terms which you want to put and you want to start indexing on today's deal today's prime deeds right exclusive prime deeds. Keywords like that. Why don't like put those in the search term if you have that space, right? And the best thing is you don't even need to repeat the keywords. You can put all like different new keywords which you have not used in your listing copies every anywhere. So search term is one such thing which is often overlooked, I would say. And we really need to use that real uh, real estate space. Apart from that, there is also the alt text in the EBC content which people don't actually uh, fill out very... um, uh, they don't fill it out perfectly, right? You have a lot of space available there, like 50-character space, which you can fill out with all text for each of the image. So what happens is even that makes your images and your content crawlable on those search terms. So you so, need to use it.
0: Hold on. You are giving gold here. So I want, <laughs> I want to get people to really get it. So uh, backhand search terms, how do you access? Where are they in backhand search terms if you want to put, put them in there? Where? Uh,
1: yeah, so when you go into your inventory and uh, Seller Central inventory page uh, and you go into edit listing, right? Uh, and there there is a, a keyword section there in each, each listing. So even in that keyword, you have this uh, option of putting search term, uh, search term, back-end search term uh, keywords, right? So that position can be filled up. And uh, even when you make like a listing copy, if you're uploading it, right, and you're not making it on the Seller Central, uh, they have a column specifically for back-end search term right uh, and the spaces do not count as like characters so if you're putting spaces that won't be counted as characters so it's specific to 250 characters
0: so is this one field that says backhand search terms or is it multiple fields that you are putting one in each one
1: no no it is one field one long field where you can put 250 characters
0: okay and the other thing you mentioned already but this is something new because Amazon changed this recently, recently being like maybe maybe six, eight months. But there is one field, and it has 250 characters in it. You don't need to put comma. You yeah. just put the keyword, put, yeah. this space, put this space, and then another keyword. Spaces don't count. Yeah, spaces and do, don't. And do not waste space with comma. There's yeah no need just plug it yeah, in.
1: yeah.
0: if you have if you have a long tail keyword then you you need to hyphenate right If uh if you want to use both but if it's not, if it's naturally just two words then you will be putting two words right
1: yeah exactly so you don't need to like put commas or uh, spaces required definitely but no commas and no uh hyphen like hyphens are required if it is a connected keyword uh, but uh, not the semicolons like I, I have seen some some back and search term where you have semicolons also uh, you have the double quotes also all these things are not required
0: yeah don't, don't waste the space yeah the second, second thing you mentioned is the alt tags for images and this is specifically your a plus pages or Your product pictures also?
1: No, no, just for the A-plus. So, when you upload images in the EBC content, right? So, that's every image. You can actually put some alt text there.
0: Okay. So, EBC is what they call these days A-plus. A-plus. Yeah. So, in the old days, A-plus pages were just for vendors, Amazon vendors. And then sellers had enhanced brand content, EBC. Yeah, they said, oh, you know, they're both the same thing. We're gonna consolidate, so now it's all called. They call it A plus content. So everybody uses different. I just want everybody listening to get, you know, that we're talking about that nice looking page on the product page yeah. below below the fold that basically showcases you as a seller. So all the pictures that you put in there, make sure they have all tags, and then those tags have keywords in them, right? That's what you yes. are. Yeah. And so what about the spaces? Do you leave spaces there or do you put underscore?
1: No, same as the backend system. Leave spaces there. Like Use the same, uh, uh, whatever rules you're using for the backend system, use it for the alt text. So you don't need to put commas. You don't need to put semicolons and uh, double tags and all those stuff.
0: Okay. And now there is one more thing that you didn't mention that I want to see your, what your take is. There is something called subject matter. Mm, yeah. So, I, I,
1: <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of knowledge in that because my, my expertise is more on the PPC side. Uh, so I won't be able to give you like a lot of details into su- subject matter. S-
0: sorry for that. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, it's okay. Uh, subject matter is just like the backhand search term keywords, but it's just another field. So mm. And subject matter, they are like bullets you can add I believe up to 10, I may be wrong, but it's not just one field where, okay. you know, you put everything. So you simply add more subject matters. That's also another opportunity for you to get indexed for uh-huh. specific keywords. At the same time, they don't show up anywhere. All you are okay. saying is, you know, this is this is where it is. Um, I believe, you know, when you do a search on the left hand side, Amazon presents a lot of filters
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah
0: uh, if you are selling let's say bed linens, and then yeah they uh you know patent plane so mm-hmm. those things are different things and i believe subject matter for some categories can be utilized for that kind of stuff but it, you also get index that's another yeah. way to do it
1: that, that that's a good point yeah
0: yeah so uh so now, as far as this particular client, so you did you did several things. First of all, you took their listing, and then you localized it to the keywords that were popular in the United States. Yeah. Second thing is you fixed their situation where the listing needed to be updatable, but it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, that's important not only for the change you wanted to make, but going forward, now they'll be able to change it. Uh, so it's a permanent uh, fix. The, the third one is you use those keywords that may not be as attractive in the front end, visible to the shopper, put it in the backhand search term. So that way they got indexed. So yep. these are, I mean, you just mentioned it very quickly, but, you know, this is, <laughs> this is a lot of work. Uh, yes. I don't mean like a lot of legwork. It's a lot of high-value work. That yes. So, and everybody has to do this especially those who are new and they have this situation where you know, they created their brand registry account after they created the listing, they are likely to run into this. And, of course, those who are coming into the U.S. market or those in the U.S. market going into the U.K. market, it's a, you have to start from scratch. It's a brand-new ASIN you are creating, right?
1: That's true. That's true. And um, it's not just on the listing side, even on the PPC side, it starts from the scratch, right? So everything, your keyword research, uh, the type of campaigns you need to launch with, uh, you can take the data from the existing market. But oftentimes the keywords and which will be converting on your new market, like maybe you're coming from UK to the US market, right? The type of keywords which will be converting would be very different from your existing marketplace.
0: Okay. Right. You just walked right into my, my favorite subject, <laughs> <laughs> conversion. So tell us about conversion. And first of all, why? what is conversion? Why do you track it? And how do you track it?
1: Yeah. So if for a layman, right? Like you have uh, units sold, right? Units sold divided by uh, the uh, number of clicks you get. Right. So basically, that's that's in layman language, that percentage is called conversion rate. Right, uh, but there are different different places you can track this, right? So there is obviously on the PPC side you can manually track it because Amazon doesn't give that data on account level. It has started giving them on the search term and the keyword level, right? But they don't give it on account level, right? So uh, for us, uh, like what we do for our clients, uh, we maintain like a weekly tracker, right? So we track all the important KPIs of PPC uh, and also the organic sales, right? Like the total sales. Uh, and all those organic uh, KPIs uh, on a weekly basis. And conversion rate is then calculated based on the data which we get from from the PPC platform, Campaign Manager. Uh, Every week it is calculated. And then week over week, we do a trend analysis. How is that conversion rate going? It is dropping. And then we do a further analysis. What could be the reason why it is dropping? Or if it is increasing, what changes did we do on the listing side which caused it to increase?
0: Okay. So... Again, this is there's several things that I think it it's best that we want to dig into and kind of dissect. Um, So, conversion rate is ultimately how many people came to the the listing, and then how many people bought it. Yes. So, but it's not as simple as that because for PPC where you are paying. For each click, conversion rate means how many people clicked, how many people bought, right? Yes. Okay. But for the actual product page, how many people came to the product page and how many bought? That's a different conversion rate, right?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So the umbrella is the product page. Yes. So basically, if you exactly like that, if you think about the product page as an umbrella, so under the umbrella, you have it's a big umbrella, you have people. So just tracking one person's movement under that umbrella is not going to give you the full picture. You want to know how each one, of course, everybody under that umbrella is one person is the paid clicks that you bring by paying another uh, person is the external a- advertising. You may be running an ad on Facebook or Google, and then you bring them in. That's another one. And then you have the organic searches, right? In, in yeah. Amazon. So uh, uh, organic searches come in. So uh, what you were talking about is the PPC conversion. But how about that main product page conversion? Do you ever track that?
1: Yes. So, we have a matrix for that called the unit session percentage. It's under the business report section. So, when you go in the business report, you can actually check that on an AC level and you can select the period, last 30 days, last 60 days, whatever period you want to see, and you can see that unit session percentage. Uh, it's based on the total session for the whole listing, right? Uh there is a lot of con- like uh, conflicting ideas does it contain the ppc data or it does it doesn't compare, contain the ppc sessions nobody has that clarity yet right but uh, from what i have seen personally on most of the client accounts especially the ones which have been established it does contain like the overall impressions including the ppc impressions yeah. when we look at that data
0: so my i have to always say i have two magic bullets that i focus on If you want to increase your performance, two magic bullets. One is increase your click through rate. Definitely. So because that means that you come up in the search term, and I'm not talking about paid campaigns. I'm talking in general. If you can improve your click through rate, that means you were searched. You know, somebody searched organically. You were shown because the algorithm picked you up. If you have, if hundred people are clicking. On you, uh, and you make that two hundred. You double the number of people looking at your product page now. So, increasing the click through rate. How do you do that? That's a whole different thing. How do you actually know where you're getting? I mean, there, those are all things to discuss. But increase the click. The second thing is increase the conversion rate on the page, because if you increase that then your bottom line will improve, your top line will go up. So everything will, your ROI will be much better. And the business reports that, that you're talking about, that shows it at child skew level, that is the total performance yeah. of the listing that includes the paid. But you don't know just by looking at that report, how, how many of those were out of paid campaign. So yeah. that's where the work comes in. Um, the other thing that uh, I wanted to ask you was you said download it and look at it. So okay, let's say that I download. So in that business report it says enter start date enter end date. So what is the time frame you picking?
1: So Either like us, we, we maintain a weekly uh, KPI, right? So we, we track everything on the organic side and the PPC side on a weekly basis. So we'll put, uh, put those data inside like an Excel sheet manually, right? So that's what we do as a, for our client. And I, I think like for most of our listeners, if they are working independently, I think that's the best thing, right? You don't even need like a reporting software for that. Just go in, uh, check the last week data, pull, pull that uh, data into an Excel sheet for each of the main KPIs, like PPC spend, sales, CTR, conversion rate, uh, your uh, ACoS, uh, your total sales, and then you go to the TACoS, right? The total ACoS value, which I think we'll discuss later on. Uh, But you put all these data, right? Even on the organic side, your USP, right? Your uh, unit searching percentage. Track that week on week. You can even drill down it to ASIN level. Like if you don't want to track it on the overall level, Drill down to the ASIN level, like each ASIN level, how much I'm spending on the PTC side, what is the conversion rate, what is the click-through rate, what is my USP, and what I'm doing week over week. Where is the trend going? Analyze that, right? And then if you want to do it on account level, do it on account level. But analyzing that trend, that's the most important thing. Like just looking at it for last 30 days, you can't make any judgment there. Unless you know, okay, where was I 30 days before that? Or where was I one week before that? If you have to compare it, you need like data over a time period to compare and see the trend.
0: Yeah. I mean what, what you said is is exactly the case, isn't it? So it's you need perspective. Just looking at it's like it's like driving a car. When you're yeah. driving the car, you know, you're doing 55 miles an hour. When somebody says how fast are you going, you say 55. But well, what does that mean? Where are you? Are you in the city or are you on the expressway? I mean, where are you? You need yeah. to have that thing. And uh, so you need perspective that means time frame. So now I'm going to give you a different perspective. So you said that uh, they can just do it. They can download it. Well, you know, it's not as easy as that, right? So because things change. So first assumption, so, you know, you are full of knowledge. So your answers are full of stuff. But to uh, somebody who's listening, it's going to be very hard to really implement it as is. So, first of all, the first thing that I heard you say is, "Well, you download that data and then you plug it into an Excel sheet." So, is that like a new Excel sheet every time, or is that <laughs> so you have to build? So now you have to build an Excel sheet. Yeah. To store the data every week. So, well, every week. Okay. So every week I get that. So that's like X number of rows and then X number of rows again. next time So how am I gonna so so now it's already see, it's already getting complicated. And I haven't yeah. started yet. So so how does one do that? That's not a, a, a simple proposition. However, the answer doesn't change. You have to track your conversion rate no matter what, right? Yes, that's true.
1: That's true. There's so many software, right? Like if it is so confusing, I'm sure there's so many software in the market like uh, which users can easily use for this reporting. And uh, it does help, right? The, uh, And so for some of them, it works manually, right? Like some clients prefer to do it on their own manually. They want to track it. They want to see the number every week. They want to get into the account. For some of them, okay, if they can get a report from a software which can tell them the trend, that's that's better for them.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, but the answer doesn't change. You have to be looking at the data in perspective and uh, as a composite number uh, at SKU level so that you can take action. You know, looking at one number for everything doesn't really give you anything actionable. You you know, some SKUs may be doing well, some SKUs not so well, and some SKUs doing well now may have dropped in performance. So you need to be able to identify that over uh, a time time frame. Yeah. So... um, Okay, I mean that that's great. I mean everything that you said is it just shows how complicated this platform is. You cannot really, if you are an entrepreneur, you came up with a, a product idea. That's just the beginning. You you have to have help. So yeah. uh, tell us that there is a couple of uh, options in terms of what model you are using. There's FBA and FBM. So what would you say? About each one, what is your recommendation?
1: I would always suggest my clients to do FBA, right? It's just uh, just from the numbers we have seen across so many clients, right? Um, uh, FBA always has better conversion rate. Uh, it has a better click-through rate. Even on the organic ranking, uh, Amazon pushes uh, those listings which has fba as compared to fbm right uh so we've seen this like uh case after case for different clients like people who are doing fbm and when they switch to fba there's suddenly such a big change in the numbers which they are getting right in the positive direction so for me like um, i would always suggest to fba if possible right Uh, and fbm would always be a second choice
0: yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, for starters, uh, the first thing you said, conversion rate. Uh, FBA items, I should say prime items, and by, by doing FBA, you will be included in prime channel. Yeah. They always convert better. In addition, there is one other benefit that if you are shipping your own orders and there is always a problem with carriers, you know, they don't always work yeah. timely. And the customer complains, you'll get hit with negative feedbacks. That's but true. Amazon delays, you can just have it removed.
1: Yeah, that's so,
0: true. So those are all things. And but in essence, what I tell people: decide what business you want to be in. Do you want to be in the business of selling merchandise, or do you want to be in the business of selling merchandise, providing customer service, handling returns, refunds, and being responsible for but ten more metrics to Amazon. Which yeah. one? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that's why FBA FPM is a no-brainer. One legitimate reason for FPM during the peak periods, mm. Amazon is delayed to receive the FBA shipments. So you can have an FBM skew. You can just activate that one and then fulfill it yourself because the price of interruption due to out-of-stock listing, is too high, right? Too
1: high, too high, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I always have that capability of shifting to FBM as a backup, right? Like, uh, we've seen this, like, during the COVID uh, years, right, uh, when there were so many issues with the uh, warehousing, Amazon warehousing, shipments were getting delayed for so long. Uh, people actually shifted, like, a lot of our clients shifted to FBM as a backup. Right. Yeah, if they could, like either finding a 3PL or doing it on their own from their own houses, their own uh, commercial facilities, uh, but have that backup. Uh, but again, you will be piggy banking off the performance of your FBA listing there. Right. Even yeah. if you make the FBM uh, listing, it for a launch, FBM will not, not be so successful. So always launch with FBA. But yeah, have that backup just in situations like these.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's key because what matters is not your SKU. What matters is the ASIN. Yes, sir. And yeah. you have two SKUs under the same ASIN, and you maintain sales for that ASIN that you own as a brand owner. Then you won't have, you won't lose any ranking because your yeah. SKU is not ranking. Your ASIN is ranking.
1: Exactly. And
0: of That's course, true. ranking comes from performance. Performance means orders, reviews, blah blah. And if you are out of stock, then you know it will. You are out of the game, and yeah. then somebody else will step in, and they'll start taking. And your ranking, of course. By the way, the reason why this drops is that Amazon is calculating moving averages, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so
0: right. If you are out of stock, your moving average doesn't stop, that because the time doesn't come to a standstill; it's still going, but your sales have stopped, so your your average will drop, and then. You know, you are out of the uh, the rank. That's so, such
1: a that's such an interesting point. Like a lot of our clients actually come back to us. Like, uh, okay, I'm going out of stock. Can you pause the PPC now? Right? Let's let's pause the PPC, and then uh, when they come back in stock, okay, let let's put it back. And uh, then they're like, okay, one week goes by. Why am I not back at the sales which I was doing before? Right? Like uh, they are so puzzled by why I'm just not getting back the sales number I was having. And even after, like sometimes you never ever get back to those numbers because Amazon penalizes you, right? They penalize you with your ranking, they penalize you with your PPC performance. Everything is penalized if you keep going out of stock regularly.
0: Exactly. Now, there is another concept here about running out of stock. You know that you're going to run out of stock. You're selling, your sell through rate is pretty high, it's going well. And at the same time, running out of stock is going to hurt you. What can you do to avoid that interruption?
1: Yeah. Uh, so sometimes what happens is you have to assess, right? How much, what, what is your lead time like? How quickly can I get the inventory in the place, right? And if I, if I suppose dial down on my PPC, lower my bids, I do not spend so much as I am spending right now, maybe I can prolong the time for my inventory right till the new inventory comes in but um, oh you have to make that analysis right uh i won't say like suddenly go and start switching off all your ppc that's actually going to have a lot of detrimental effect maybe if your uh, listing is almost 70% or 60% ppc dependent then all of your sale will be gone right away, right? So yeah. it's it's always better that you assess, right? What is your dependency on PPC? Uh, how much you're comfortable to keep losing so that you maintain that position till your uh, inventory comes in, right? Or how much your bid can be lowered so you can prolong that inventory to lower that out-of-stock situation. So it's very case-to-case analysis, I would say, right? You have to see which, which situation you fall into and what decision you have to make at that yeah. situation.
0: The other thing that I... I see being used as a strategy for this is increase your price.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a that's a very big uh, uh, good point, uh, but also be very careful. I would say, yeah, don't don't increase it like right away five dollars, ten dollars, right? You you should be doing it in very very small increments. I would say. So
0: tell us what happens if you increase too much.
1: So you might even lose the buy box. Right, yes. so so once you lose the buy box, you won't even sell what you were selling. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> you so, okay, so the the typical question is: I am the only seller on the listing. How do I lose the buy box?
1: Yeah, it's not it's not just about being multiple sellers on a listing. Your buy box. So even if you are a single. Uh, uh, listing owner, right? Uh, You are the only seller on that listing. Uh, You might have seen sometimes your buybacks uh, percentage is 90% or 85% or 95%, right? It keeps switching. So this is, again, you can see this value when you go to the business reports, you can see the buy box percentage, right? And if it is dipping down below 80%, there's something seriously uh, issue with uh, what your price is or maybe your history is with Amazon for that particular listing, right? So if you have increased your price or reduced your price also, right? Even if you reduce your price very drastically or you increase it really drastically, Amazon doesn't like such changes, right? Unless you're putting a deal, right? Like if I had a, a $50 product, I put like a deal of 10%, 20%, that's okay. I put a coupon on it, that's okay. But if you're reducing it directly from $50 to $40, Amazon takes note. And then they will see, okay, uh, they're making very sudden changes on the listing and that will reflect into your buy box percentage. And there are many other dif- uh, other things also like your inventory availability, how much inventory you have, which locations you have. So different geographic areas might have different buy box percentage also.
0: Well, the other thing is Amazon tracks your pricing. If you are selling outside Amazon or other marketplaces yes. and yes. your price is cheaper on these other marketplaces especially they are interested in walmart right so a lot of people sell on walmart <laughs> if you are cheaper on walmart than amazon they will you will lose the buy box so do, do you know what it looks like losing the buy box even though you are the only seller
1: yeah so it, it reflects on the buy box percentage like you won't come to. There is no notification Amazon sends you right then and there, right? Like if you lose so a buy what
0: box. What I mean is visually on the product page. Let's say you are the Amazon shopper, mm. shopper, and and you you are on that page. What does that look like if you're not in the buy box?
1: So um, right below the price, like they see right, uh, they say sold by so and so and fulfilled by Amazon, right? Yes. So basically, when they show a name by sold by your seller name, uh, that's when you have the buy box. Basically, you, you you will be the one selling that. But when when you lose the buy box, basically, there won't be any seller name there or with, there might be another seller name there who might be getting that listing. So you won't be the first. When they add to cart directly, your product won't be added to cart directly yeah. if you
0: don't have the buy box. Exactly. So if, if you are selling a product that you have other sellers also selling it, but you are the brand owner, you'll be the top one. They'll favor yeah. you always. But yeah. if you lose the buy box, then you are out of the picture, and they move up. Yeah. However, if you are the only seller, you are selling your own product. There's no other seller. But let's say that you you listed it on Walmart at a cheaper price, or you increase your price drastically, Amazon will take you out, and yeah. they're gonna instead put a the link there. It says available from sellers. Yes. You have to click it. When you click it, it opens a very unattractive small window on the side, and it shows your name there. Yeah. Very few people make the purchase there. Exactly. So that's how you lose the buy box. And of course, that means your conversion is out the window. There's no more conversion because people are coming in and, and, and you're thinking, okay, I'm the only seller. I have everything. I'm driving. I have inventory. But... And you thought that, okay, you know, I'm doing fine, so I'm going to put the price up. Next thing is, no sales coming in. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then you have PPC stops. Not a lot of people know this, but once your buy box is gone, you can't even run PPC on that listing.
0: Yeah, well, that's another thing. And yeah. of course, if you run out of stock, PPC stops. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want... So there are the tactics are reduce the bid, increase the price, But very, you know, incrementally, very small movements, you know, no sudden movements. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Make very small incremental changes so that your inventory lasts longer because Mm -hmm. you don't want your inventory to run out, which will stop the PPC, which will stop the sales, which will stop your ranking. And then it's going to take you a long time to get back. And it's not a few days, weeks and weeks, right?
1: One, uh, I think one common tactic which people use is like uh, they make the listing inactive, like they they remove the main images or they make it like suppress the search when they go out of search stock. Yeah. So sometimes you do benefit with that. Like once you remove it out of the search, like it does uh, when you come back in stocks because they didn't have like a moving average for maybe thirty days. Right, so it might be like it more more like a relaunch for Amazon. Sometimes it does happen, and it might help you.
0: Yeah, so that's called closing the listing, right? So yeah, about closing the listing. So yeah, closing. So the, the the question in that scenario is, well, what if I have inventory in transit going to Amazon, and I close the listing? What will happen? There's no problem there, right? Yeah. so no. when they receive the inventory. They will receive the inventory because they go by the eraser. Yeah. And then uh, there will be no skew, and your inventory will become stranded, right? Mm. And then you have to go click fix stranded inventory, then you can reopen the button in the meantime, you stop that moving average calculation. Yeah, exactly. One way to do it. Uh, but either way, you know, it's best not to run out of inventory, which actually brings me to my next question. So tell us about some best practices uh, for the peak periods, like prime day, like uh, uh, shopping season, post-pandemic? What are some things that you see as best practices?
1: Okay. So uh, I'm going to talk more uh, with respect to like uh, the peak season, like prime day, because I I guess the post-pandemic pandemic shopping season is already gone right yeah. but yeah but i would say like maybe the prime day and the black friday day those kind of peak periods right so um A lot of our clients, like, they come with this question, right? What do I do for Prime Day? Can I do something? And some of them, most of them, like, especially the small uh, clients, like, which do not have a lot of sales history or do not have a lot of ASINs, they do not get Prime Days. They don't get those options, right? The only thing they can do is maybe run, like, a small coupon on them, right, Uh, for some period, right? So my suggestion for this for all the clients is like first assess your inventory. How much inventory do you have? And which ASIN do you have the inventory for? Right? Do you have inventory that you can handle 2x or 3x times your normal uh, day sale, right? So whatever you're selling on your normal day, like whatever you sold on the last 30 days, divide it by 30, get your daily sales rate and see if you have like 2x to 3x time uh, capability of managing those number of orders for about a week right because prime day is not just like those two three days they have start people start adding to cart even before prime day yeah. um, so have that do that inventory assessment can you lead right and it doesn't it doesn't have to be like you sell send out everything in five days and then you're out of stock for 30 days you have to assess that too, right so do your inventory assessment at least a month before prime day right be sure okay you have enough inventory and fba then see the ASAs which have been doing good for you. In the past, right? And uh, see uh, what what level of discount can you give on them, right? Based on your profit margin. Uh, do you really want to go aggressive, increase your sales a lot, right? Can you do like anything around 20%, 30%, these kind of deep discounts? Or, or do you, you don't care so much about like going aggressive and getting too much sales and you want to do like small discounts, 5%, 10%, make that decision, do the analysis, make that decision. And be sure, okay, this is what I'm going to do on Prime Day. This is my strategy, right? Now your yeah, PPC will follow that goal, right? If your goal is going aggressive on Prime Day, be ready to set a higher budget, right? If you're expecting a 2x or 3x, the sales, your budget should also be in line. 2x or 3x your normal budget on a daily basis, right? Uh, because the CPC rises, your competition rises, everything rises on these um, period, so you have to be ready for that, right? It's ready to spend to get more sales, right? But if you don't have that capability, you don't have to participate. Keep your bids low, right? Keep your bids manageable, that your e doesn't spike, right? So whatever you are bidding, if if it is not bleeding, it's converting well for you. Any keyword, keep bidding at the same level. You don't have to participate and get into that rat race of Prime Day competition. But if something is bleeding, take care of that as soon as possible because it will start bleeding more especially during the lead-up to Prime Day. Just one week before Prime Day, when people are doing all this window shopping, clicking on ads and everywhere, if you know that your CPCs are rising and you cannot afford it, start managing those bids uh, carefully and start reducing your bleeding keywords as soon as possible. So be clear about your goals and strategy before Prime Day. That's the most important.
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to plan. You definitely, yeah. And you have to decide what you're going to do. And you have to create a calendar of events in terms of what you're going to do when. And, you know, and also don't just do that because nothing works according to plan, right? It's, it's yeah. all so uh, create the, the alternative plan in the sense that set up, or I should say define your trigger points. You know, okay, this is what I want to do. This is where most plans fail. They create, people create plans and then things don't go according to plan and then they don't know what to do. So think about what can change and then what are those trigger points? In other words, if advertising, for example, say, okay, expect to have, you said 2x, 3x. Okay, you may get 2x, 3x, but you may be ready for it, but suddenly your return, on your advertising may drop yeah so yeah uh, think about what other things can happen and then you can say that okay, so if you do this just for the sake of example that you plan for 2x 3x for the advertising span inventory everything is fine and you're going 2x 3x and advertising spend you are according going according to your budget but your roi dropped yeah. so how low is long enough before you worry. So if yeah. you haven't thought about that and your ROI dropped, first of all, you won't even notice. Second, you will notice, but you will worry even with a small drop because you haven't calculated what that looks like. Yeah. So instead, I always say, uh, you know, it, I do scuba diving. So we have a saying plan the dive, dive the plan. So plan your operation together with the triggers and then execute exactly that. And if the triggers suddenly become active, then of course, while determining those triggers, you've also thought about what you're going to do, right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you just simply do it and run it that way. So that's always something that I recommend people.
1: Yes, always, always.
0: So uh, I have a, a, one final question before uh, I find out a little bit more about you because I'm always interested in the person. Um, what do you think Amazon could improve in their policies for sellers?
1: <laughs> There's a long list. Uh, but You I, can I, tell I, me
0: only <laughs> one. What is your favorite?
1: <laughs> uh, I would say just uh, seller support right the kind of, uh, of how they work right uh, every every department is like so unlinked with each other And they just work in their own buckets, not not communicating with other departments. I guess that's one thing which Amazon can really improve on. Like it will help a lot of sellers, like make their job so much easier. Similar to what we spoke like in the beginning, right? Like what exactly was the issue? We just couldn't figure out. And even after it was fixed, we could not know what was the exact issue, right? So how do we take this as a lesson and implement it for future clients when we don't even know like what actually worked?
0: Well, I mean, you know, the reality is they don't know. So this is going way back when I I discovered the business report. So those business reports were uh, fairly new. Of course, it's buried somewhere. You know, nobody would really see on the menu. So I actually, we had an account executive when I was a seller. We had an account person and I called and I said, listen, I'm, happy to pay somebody to teach me how to use these reports. What is the best way? Because you're presenting a lot of numbers. I just don't know. And I'm happy to pay. And you know what she said? She said, well, I really have nothing that I can offer, mainly because we have so many developers. They all have their ideas of what to implement. So they implement these reports. And then they leave, and nobody knows how to use the report, even what reports exist. So <laughs> there is no answer that I can give you. So she said, you are on your own. You'll learn to figure it out. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, maybe I think that's the best thing they need to work on, right? Like just communicating with each other, maintaining like whatever yeah, changes I they're
0: mean, doing. <laughs> all, all places. So <laughs> Lisa, tell me a little bit about you. So, I mean, obviously, uh, you are passionate about this work. So... Um, where are you based and where did you grow up and how did you come to be in this uh, operation?
1: I'm based in Toronto right now, uh, Toronto, Canada, and uh, I'm a new immigrant here. I've been here just um, around a year now uh, just shifted last year with my family uh, and uh, i've been I've grown up, like studied worked like in De- in Delhi, India uh and all over India actually not just Delhi so uh I've roamed around a lot in India but uh, mostly all of my schooling my study was from there um uh, I have been in the space since 2015 Amazon specific space right so I've been a seller on my own on US marketplace India marketplace yeah. um and uh still continue to sell. But um, at the same time, I got more interested in this advertising niche right around 2019, uh, when there were a lot of changes happening on the PPC side. So a lot of new features were rolled out. Um, it was something like what is happening now, right? Every month, Amazon comes up with something new in PPC. Yeah. So so a lot of changes and it was becoming really interesting. So even in my own uh, um, Seller account. I became more interested on the advertising side, and uh, my partner was more interested on the other aspect, like the product research and the sourcing and all those stuff, right? So that's how I grew in this niche, and then I started as a freelancer, taking taking some clients on my own, and uh, then I came here and uh, I joined Sell Interactive, which is agency based out of Toronto. Too. And uh, now I work as a head for their PPC team. Uh, we manage 400 plus clients, so good big portfolio of clients I'm working with. And so, just,
0: well, I mean, this is the work you do, but I'm fascinated by the fact that you know you grew up in India, traveled around. I guess that's where it's a big country, so that's where you, yeah, uh, your passion for travel, but I mean, uh. A woman, all by herself, leaves her home country, goes to a, a foreign country, and then jumps into one of the most complex environments ever. So, what, what was what was driving you? That's what I want to know.
1: It's just uh, I, I love the space. I I am passionate about uh, Amazon. Like I won't say just e-commerce, but Amazon specifically, I'm really
0: passionate but about. But why? Like, but why? Where is what is causing that passion?
1: It's just because I've been in this industry for so long, right? Like I've been, I've made, I've made like good, uh, good living on for me out of this industry. When I came into this industry, like I was a total novice. I had no idea. 2000, back in 2015, nobody knew what, uh, what Amazon selling is. Right. It was totally new. My husband introduced it to me and then I got so interested and, uh, it, it just, uh, it's something which challenges you every day. I, I, I would say, right. Like, uh, no, I every have a day. question for you. Yeah.
0: So yeah, uh, you have any brothers sisters?
1: Yeah, I have a brother, younger brother. Young, younger, older. Younger.
0: Okay, so you were you were the so you are the girl, you are older. Yeah. And uh, have you ever been told growing up? Uh, were you told, "Well, you can't do this, you can't do that, don't do this, don't do that."
1: Uh, luckily, my parents were, uh, they treated both of us equally, right? Like, I, I've been lucky. I would i would say, like, uh, especially in India, like, not a lot of girls uh, have this opportunity. But uh, right after 12th, I moved out of my house. I, I did my bachelor's in engineering uh, far away from my house. Uh, then after that, I did a job uh, uh, in, uh, in a totally new place. I set myself up, like, on my own my family wasn't there nobody was there then I went for a master's even like outside of my home. so I've been out of my home comfort for so long after tw- like right after I turned 18 years old so it's just like the way I was brought up I I could manage everything independently I became so independent that if you put me in a new situation uh, I I could manage it easily I I don't uh, wait
0: a minute nobody is putting you in those situations you yeah. are putting yourself so- <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what it is that, that is driving you to constantly throw into these uh, challenges.
1: Uh, I guess it's just a nature, right? If somebody li- li- looks like for a comfortable job, like they want to just uh, continue doing whatever they're doing forever and ever. For me, it, it just becomes boring after some time. Because I, I have,
0: I have, I have a friend who, like, she, she didn't know how to swim. And you know what she does now? She does Iron Man, uh, Iron Woman triathlon. She does triathlon.
1: Wow, that's sounds-
0: nice. <laughs> and and when she started this, you know, she she one day she came to the meeting and she said, Guys, I have something to tell you. And so, well, what is it? She says, I'm going to be a triathlon uh, athlete. And she says, I'm freaking out because I don't know how to swim. So, this was about 12 years ago, she's now doing it. You know, if you look at her Facebook, she's in PR. And at the time, she said, Somebody told me I could not swim." Uh. And she says, All you have to do is tell me I can't do something.
1: Mm. <laughs>
0: so that's why I was trying to figure out. That's why I asked you the question. You know, were you told growing up, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that? No, no, no. Well, it wasn't like that. Had that. So clearly, yeah. Something something is driving you to jump into these unknowns. So uh, that's uh, it. It's it's just, it just keeps you young, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, that's true, right? It it just uh, so again coming back to it's just a nature for some people, right? Because I was never like just staying in one place forever and ever, like moving around all the time. My father father is from army background, right? So we were moving around like every three years, four years. So I was just trying and. Like making new friends, going to new college or new school, or like every time in a new position and a new place. So maybe that's the nature of how I was brought ah,
0: up. Hold that's on. the guy started talking. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this is called this is called look it up uh, for anybody listening. Third culture kid. Have you ever heard that third <laughs> no. culture kid? No. third culture kids TCK for short, are people who spend more of their Uh, adult years outside their parents' culture and parents' Mm -hmm. environment. So typically these are military uh, kids. They move around, so they adjust to new relationships, new environment. It becomes their second nature. That's your answer. That's why it is, in other words, being in an unknown environment is your environment. You feel much more comfortable. That's where it's coming from.
1: Yeah. Thanks for this, Nick. Yeah, I never realized this, but yeah, maybe that's well,
0: the reason. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's always connected to your upbringing, always. I mean, yeah. there are some exceptions here and there, but that's how it is. This is great. So uh, tell me how people can reach you. We are obviously going to put your contact information on our website, but uh, give us how people can uh, reach out.
1: Uh, we can. Uh, I'll give you the LinkedIn ID. They can reach me out on LinkedIn and uh uh, do, I can share the email ID if they want to reach out to yeah, me. Yeah, is,
0: just tell us what it is. Yeah, be on the website. In.
1: Yeah, uh, it's Nissan N I S A N at sellerinteractive.com Great. Yeah.
0: Great. Yeah. So anybody, I'm sure they'll reach out to you. So your story, I am. I was most inspired about how we ended it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: this was great, Nissan. Thank you.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Next. Thank you.
0: And this brings us to the end of another episode, and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure and subscribe,
1: rate, and review our show. And be sure and share an episode with a friend. And thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next week here on Amazon Legends.